All right, let's try this again. Everything we were supposed to talk about on Monday night, we're going to try and talk about now, maybe without an interruption this time, from a groundbreaking trade. So we got the end of spring training, last couple of recap of the last couple of games, uh, Roberto Campos. We got some roster spot drama going on. Tigers odds is how we'll end the show. Betting odds through betonline.net. Full show today, hopefully not interrupted, on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, though? Austin Meadows is still a Detroit Tiger. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? OGs remember the shades, by the way. I don't think I'm going to rock these for the full episode. They're actually kind of smudged. I think you can tell if you got a high enough definition device you're watching on. There's fingerprints all over these things, man. Goodness gravy. I got to clean those. Uh, Welcome to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, April 6th. 2022 that's the year thanks for making lot on tigers your first listen every day we are free and available wherever you get your podcast that's including youtube as you all know those youtube numbers continue to go up i'm so pumped man i'm so pumped for what the the unique things we can only do via you know visual and youtube for when the season starts it's gonna be so damn fun so damn fun uh well welcome back what, a, what an episode, uh, well, yesterday as I'm recording this, but Monday night was, eh? That was a doozy. Austin Meadows, it wasn't a dream. He's still a Detroit Tiger. And that changes some things for the opening day roster. It, it's expanded to 28, so it might not change too terribly much. But there is one huge player well, he's not huge. <laughs> the player's not huge. But there is seems to be only one remaining uh, kind of battle on the offensive side of the ball for if they're going to make camp or not, and that's Willie Castro. And Willie Castro has had a very interesting career. In 2020, in a shortened season, he put up the same amount of war as Luis Robert for the White Sox. Uh, who was, I believe he, Robert was runner up for rookie of the year that year because Kyle Lewis had an incredible, uh, 60 game season there in the, in the abbreviated 2020, but he put, he matched his production. He matched Louis. He had like an OPS of over 900. His BABIP was like the highest you've ever seen in your life. His BABIP was literally pushing 500. It's like, seriously, go look on fan graphs right now. I'll, I'll wait for you. Like it is remarkable how high his BABIP was. And again, it wasn't a real season. Like any other year, that sample size would have just been looked at like, oh, okay, you only played in 40 games, 30 games. Like, we're going to erase that. But that was, you know, half, three quarters of a season in 2020. So, went into 2021, I wouldn't say with super high expectations, uh, but with some hype around him because he did receive some down ballot rookie of the year votes in 2020 and was a young kid. We got him for half a year of Leonis Martin. I believe that's that deal. Uh, so really, uh, uh, 
uh, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I, I've never been a, a huge believer in him offensively and, and especially not defensively. Uh, he has been a Ryan Gosling and remember the Titans level of a liability defensively his entire major league career. Like, it is no matter where you put him. Uh, he, he's, he was atrocious at short, uh, not very good at second. They tried to hide him in the corner outfield. That didn't work out too terribly well. Uh, certainly all other options better than putting him at shortstop, which is arguably, you know, one of, one of the most important defensive positions on the field. So I'm glad that he's at least not at short anymore. Uh, but he, he's a liability everywhere and the offense in 2021, at least certainly was not enough to justify how poor of a defender he is. And he it seems to be the, the big, when you're talking about offense, bullpen we'll get into in a second. There's a lot of stuff still going on with the pen. But when it comes to bats, he seems to be really the only guy left that is still in limbo and still in question on if he's going to make the team or not. The Austin Meadows uh, trade, I would imagine, certainly moves the odds of closer to him not making the team now. Uh, however, if they want him to play several different positions, like if they think he can be a backup middle infielder still, not that he should never play shortstop again. I'm not kidding. Willie Castro should never take an, another rep at shortstop at the major league level ever again. Uh, but if they think he can play maybe backup second, if Scopey needs a day off, but you have Harold for that. So like, why do you even really need that? Um, I mean, outfield depth is really the only reason you justify keeping him around. And after the Meadows deal, you now have, you already now have four starting caliber outfielders once green comes back, of course. So, and he's not, so, I, you know, fair enough, I guess, but what Victor Reyes, Austin Meadows, Robbie Grossman, who am I forgetting? This is so embarrassing. Who am I forgetting? Akil Badu. Akil Badu, Robbie Grossman, uh, Austin Meadows, Victor Reyes. Eric Haas, though, ha has gotten some reps in corner outfield, right? I mean, like, I unless you think that Willie Castro can be a center fielder, if, he, if you only think he can be a corner outfielder, there's no point in having him on this team. Because we have Eric Haas, and now we have Meadows and such. We, we don't need any more people who can play corner outfield. All of our outfielders are actually corner outfield. The problem is we don't have a center fielder. Everybody who can play outfield on this team is a corner outfielder. So if that's your – if oh, we need Willie because he can provide corner outfield depth, that's no. But the only justification would be if you think he can play center field, which – I don't know what would lead anyone to believe based on his major league career at every single different position he has played defensively. If you're taking his MLB career as an audition tape for him playing good defensive center field, you're going to be looking for a while at that tape and you're not going to find a whole lot. So I'm leaning no right now. I'm leaning no. On Wednesday, April 6th, I'm leaning Willie Castro not going to make the team out of camp. Will he play at the major league level this year? Absolutely, he will. Uh, but 
making the team out of camp, I'm I'm feeling like no. I think they're probably just going to rock Victor Reyes, Akil Badu, tandem and center uh, until Riley Green comes back. Who knows? Maybe even Meadows gets a, a you know a game or two here and there uh, sprinkled out there. But Meadows not not a very good defender as is in the corners really. So I don't really need to see him in center either. So all that being said, Willie remains one of the only true debates on is he going to make the team or not uh, as we head into opening day here on Friday. The bullpen, on the other hand, is is pandemonium. It's mayhem. There's a lot of different things that could still happen. Uh, we have dudes like Alex Lang and Jason Foley who got playing time last year, have shown flashes of being really effective, but are still young and have command issues. Uh, so we, we got a handful of guys that, that fit that bill. And obviously not all of them are going to make the team, but some of them sure as hell are. So that the bullpen continue, and there's no more games left. Uh, Wednesday's game, spring training game got canceled because uh, the Orioles and Tigers both wanted to send all of their starters up to Detroit and Baltimore respectively. Um, and, they were like, we're, we don't even have enough people to, to play a game. We don't have enough pitchers specifically, I think was the report, to play a game. So spring training's over. Dunzo. And what when you look at what is remaining of the bullpen, you have a lot of injuries too. You, Funkhauser's going to be out for a while. Chafin's going to be out for a little bit to start the season. And now, great timing, we have – reports that AJ Hinch and some people are kind of afraid that Jose Cisnero might be coming up a little gingerly and might be a little hurt as well. If that's the case, this bullpen, which a lot of people I think pointed at as a, as a huge improvement over the last two years, something that has gotten a lot better and an area of this team that, that, for the first time in such a long time, people actually had remote faith in to start off the year at least might not be the case. We'll get into more of the 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 ins and outs of the bullpen as well as all the other things that again we were supposed to talk about on yesterday's show. Uh, so, so some more spring training performances, and then we're going to go over some odds for the team at the end. Uh, and we will do all that right after this. All right, everybody, we are back for segment two here at Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Be sure to check out Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, just like us. Um, okay, so what is left to talk about? What's what's left to talk about with the bullpen? We we've already kind of gone over most of what's remaining there. Like I said, the, the biggest thing is just going to be the the depth, right? You're still going to have your Soto and Fulmer there at the top, but I mean those next three guys, right? Three of your top five relievers are probably going to start off the season on the IL, and even if Cisneros healthy, that's still two of five. And so, so bullpen depth is going to be a big thing. And it's really going to be interesting to see which of these arms make the team and which of them don't, because uh, 
like I said in, in segment one, I don't, I don't need to repeat myself over and over, but they are, there are a lot of kids in the same kind of boat as far as have shown flashes, still are inconsistent. What's next? A lot of people fit that bill. So I'm, I'm hoping Alex Lang is somebody that makes the team. I'm a big fan of Alex Lang. Filthy stuff. Filthy stuff. Uh, I mean, a guy like Will Vest was a Rule 5 pick for the Mariners last year, was part of our organization before he got taken in the Rule 5. Got halfway through the season, had like a 6 ERA. They shipped him back. And and so now he's, you know, fighting for a, for a bullpen spot. And again, with this shallow bullpen we now kind of find ourselves with, there's a very real possibility that a guy like Will Vest, uh, if not makes the team out of camp, gets some serious reps at the beginning of the season. Um, people who we know have made the team, Spencer Torkelson, super cool moment. We haven't gotten to talk about it on the show yet because, again, pandemonium. Uh, but super cool moment. And it's kind of bittersweet because they admitted that Riley Green would have made the team. And we, I did talk about this yesterday before the Meadows news dropped. I'm actually just realizing just the gut punch of like, hey, all these graphics and stuff, you know, both of them were supposed to be in. I'm like, that's that's brutal. Uh, but still super cool moment. And I think the biggest thing that everybody realized was how important Miguel Cabrera still is to a lot of the players on this team and people in the organization and this entire fan base. Um, when Hinch told Torkelson that he got the first base job, called him into his office and Miggy was there and he told him and Torkelson got emotional and, uh, Miggy was there and, and Torkelson said that he gave, you know, gave him a big hug and they had a conversation that appeared to be kind of like a passing of the torch conversation. And Miggy gave him a first baseman's glove to celebrate. Um, it, it just all around just a super somber but but sweet moment. And Miggy's time is is closing in, man. It's it's almost done. He's retiring after next season. That's been confirmed by him himself. After next year, he's done. So this is our second to last opening day with Miguel Cabrera in the lineup. The last time that I'm in my mid twenties and the last time that Miguel Cabrera wasn't on the opening day roster for the Detroit Tigers, I was in elementary school. So for, for, a, you know, that, I'm just pointing that out to, to just show, you know, it's the same thing with Stafford, right? When Stafford left, it was like, you know, Stafford, the last time Stafford wasn't my quarterback again, I was in elementary school. So it's just there's there's a lot of closing of doors, I guess I would say, and it's just really cool to get the blessing, honestly, for lack of a better term, from a future first ballot Hall of Famer that has means everything to this city, and that has been a staple in this city, and is probably going to get a statue in left field within a decade of retirement. Certainly going to have his jersey number retired. Um, just all of this, this the the aura around Miguel Cabrera, and it's got to be incredible for Torkelson specifically to get that blessing from him. But even more so, not more so. I, I shouldn't say that, but but also 
just as a fan base, hearing Miguel Cabrera say, hey, you know what? I'm okay with not playing first base anymore because I want this kid in the lineup. That means something to a lot of people. So just a cool moment that I kind of want to talk about. Torkelson, according to betonline.net, has the third highest odds to win American League Rookie of the Year at plus 500. He's only behind uh, Bobby Witt Jr. and uh, Julio. So third, not bad. Not bad. Riley Green's still in there, too, even after the injury, which is super awesome, to be completely honest with you. Uh, let's just go over some of the performance, the spring training performances from the last, what, four days now we have to do because we have a weekend and then yesterday because we couldn't talk about the last two days because Meadows got traded in the middle of an episode. Uh, Erod looked really solid, really solid for his last outing of the spring. Eight Ks in five innings. I know it's Baltimore, and I know it's not even Baltimore's really like fully A team. I don't care. The thing about Erod is he fills up the strike zone. Erod fills up the strike zone, and he's not going to get cheated out there. He's not going to lose a game himself. He's not going to walk a ton of people and put everybody on base. He has been pounding the strike zone all spring. And it's awesome to see and the people are going to knock him around every once in a while because he is going to fill the zone. But uh, I would much rather that than somebody who's, you know, walking the runners in and, and such. So, uh, you know, make the hitter beat you. He's going to challenge people. He fears no one. And that's awesome to have at the top for rotation. Gregory Soto, really solid weekend, I think. Looked really good. Got his velocity back up to 100 at one point. Um, had been sitting 98 all camp, got it up to hundred just in time for opening day beauty. I'll take it. Gregory Soto, as you all know, that's, that's the dog. That's my man. I, I, I love Gregory Soto. I, it, oh, few, few people I, I, I adore more on this planet. Uh, so I can't wait to see what kind of season he can have. He's going to be the high leverage guy going into the season, going into opening day. He is the closer. He's not. Closer, Hinch has specified, closer does not mean ninth inning specifically. It means highest leverage. So he said, Gregory Soto is my closer, but my closer might pitch the sixth. Awesome. A.J. Hinch knows ball. There you go. Shocker, I know. Uh, but that is how you should use your best reliever. It shouldn't just be a strict ninth inning thing. It should be whatever the hardest part of the lineup is or highest pressure situation. That should be when you use your best reliever, obviously, right? Most of the time, it's going to be in the ninth, but sometimes it's not. I think the biggest thing to come out of the last four or five days of spring has been Akubadu hitting lefties. Probably one of the biggest stories, honestly, of the entire spring has been Akubadu's ability to hit left-handed pitching. Uh, it's been really solid in the spring and with power couple of home runs four homers on the spring i believe two of them are off lefties two of them are off righties it's awesome it's awesome and you know you got to take spring training with somewhat of a grain of salt we, we can't just say oh well he can hit lefties now you know we got to see in action but really good sign better this than the alternative going into opening day right but the, the most fascinating thing to me is hinch's comments about it aj hinch essentially said uh, that Badu is not going to be in a strict platoon situation, and he is going to be able to get opportunities against lefties this year, which is awesome. 
Big fan. Huge fan. Let let the kid eat. Let's see what he got. You know what I mean? And uh, he specified in what maybe specific situations that would occur in, right? So, A, if a righty's starting, it pretty much just sounds like Badu's playing. That's just going to be as simple as that, assuming health. Uh, but if a lefty starts and the opponent's high leverage relievers are righties, Akil Badu is going to start that game. He's going to get the, an opportunity the first couple of ABs to go against the lefty in their starter. And then once they knock that starter out of the game and they go to the bullpen, and they're, if their bullpen, you know, their eighth and ninth inning guys, their two best relievers, their two biggest high leverage relievers are righties, then Badu's obviously going to stay in the game. So he's going to look specifically at those types of situations to get Badu playing time against lefties and still put him in situations where he can, you know, if he struggles early against a lefty, he can make up for it and still be productive in the game. Really fascinating stuff to go into the mind of somebody who is as intelligent as A.J. Hinch. But that was one of a, a few, that was kind of the situation he highlighted uh, the most in, in the, it was a mid game interview actually. Uh, but that was one of the situations that he highlighted the most about like, Hey, if this specific scenario happens, Badu starting against lefties, super cool to see. Uh, only other thing really, I mean, Scooby continues to strike a lot of people out, but give up a lot of hard contact. His last start of the spring, eight K's in five innings, but the average exit velocity throughout the entire outing was almost 94 miles an hour. You know what I'm saying? Like that's 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 very very high for those who maybe are unfamiliar with exit velocity. That is incredibly high. Uh it is only one outing, you know, but last season it was over 90, well over 90 over a full season and was one of the worst percentile rankings in all of baseball. So it's still something that he clearly needs to work on. However, his secondary pitches look a lot better. It seems to mostly be a fastball thing. And not just the four seam, but all of his heat. Uh, you know, whether it's a, a, a two seam or something with a little bit of sink on it, whatever. It all breaks to, and we've had this conversation on the show before, so we don't have to get hung up on it. But it all breaks into the barrel of the bat. And it's just seems to be a reoccurring thing that that he can develop out of. And I still think Scuba will be a fantastic pitcher for the Detroit Tigers for a long time. Uh, but something that another step in development, we'll say. Just the next thing that he needs to work on. Lastly, Joe Jimenez. Joe Jimenez had a fantastic spring, and no one's talking about it. Not only are his numbers great, uh, but the peripherals are fantastic. The velocity is back up to like 96 97 you know like where where has this joe jimenez been maybe it's the blonde hair he dyed his hair bleached his hair whatever he did to his hair it's a different color now maybe that's something to do with that but seriously he, he had a fantastic spring the movement on on his secondary i thought was really good the command of his fastball was really good the command of the secondary i think still could have used a little bit of work specifically his slider i think he was missing glove side on the slider a little bit uh, too often, if I'm remembering right, in a couple of the outings. But for the most part, blown away by how good Joe Jimenez looked. Uh, very, very impressed. And I think, I just realized I said glove side. 
I guess you could still technically be glove side, but I just watched the Red Wings game and I was thinking of a goalie, not a catcher. Um, <laughs> missing, uh, missing arm side. Yeah, we'll go with that. Anyway, you, you get the point. All in all, very impressed by Joe Jimenez's spring, though. And if this is, he's making the team guaranteed now, all, all but guaranteed, uh, especially with you add his spring plus the depth issues that we talked about earlier, definitely making the team. If this is how he can perform, I'm not expecting a zero ERA throughout the regular season, obviously, but if this is the type of stuff that he's going to have in the regular season and this type of command, especially like I said, with his fastball command was brilliant for most of the spring. Um, we could be looking at a, at a, another guy potentially being added to this already pretty solid bullpen. Everybody needs to get healthy and all that, but Joe Jimenez stepping up would be huge for the beginning of the season. Huge. We've already talked about the, the issues with the depth. It would be huge. (laughs) So important that somebody else in this bullpen can step up in the absence of those guys. Why not Joe Jimenez? Had a fantastic spring. All right, we're going to get into the uh, some odds from betonline.net involving the Detroit Tigers, players, team, overall, whatever. Uh, but first, I got to tell you all about Built Bar, the Puffs. We talk about the Puffs every single day, but you got to try them if you haven't. They're one of Bill Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Cinnamon, churro, coconut, marshmallow, banana cream, pie. They're all so good. These are going to be your new favorite. I promise. All Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs included. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. High protein. Low calorie, high fiber. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Candy bars usually have about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. They think a flavor might be good. They'll make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you at Built Bar. All they care about is the taste. They make it taste delicious first, and then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. So go to Built.com right now. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, everybody. We are back here for another segment, I almost said edition, of Locked on Tigers. Let's go over some uh, some player, well, team odds. Detroit Tigers odds, mostly team, but a couple of player ones sprinkled in there for uh, this season. We went over a couple of them, I want to say last week, maybe even two weeks ago, uh, when they first dropped, but now some more have been added in. They've been adjusted a little bit, and there's some interesting conversations in here, I think. First off, right off the bat, Tigers win total over under is 78 and a half wins. These are all via betonline.net, by the way, 78 and a half wins. So last year, Detroit Tigers won 77 games. They added Javier Baez, Eduardo Rodriguez, Spencer Torkelson, Austin Meadows, Tucker Barnhart, 
and eventually Riley Green. They added potentially six impact players. I know how to count. I just, my other hand is not up. (laughs) Six impact players. And betonline.net, the Vegas numbers, a win and a half improvement is where the over-under is sent. I'll take the over, you know? I think I'm I'm pretty comfortable in taking the over at this point. Seems like a lot of additions to only improve a win. You know what I'm saying? I think I'm pretty confident in the over. World Series, they are plus 5,000. That puts them at the 17th best odds to win the World Series. Um, I mean, I'm not going to get, you know, my hair in a bunch over, I mean, 17th best. Like, sure, whatever. I, I think we should probably be a little bit higher, but I'm not going to complain over the difference between, like, the 17th best odds to win the World Series and what? The the 14th best odds to win the World Series? Whatever. AL Central plus 800 puts us third. The Twins have the second best odds. I think they're at around 500 last time I looked. And the Chicago White Sox are minus money. Minus money. Heavy favorites to win the division. Not even really close. Assumed for the White Sox thing. I I would like to see our odds be a little bit closer to Minnesota's. I don't think Minnesota's like that. I don't think Minnesota's better than us, period. Nonetheless, that much better than us. I think that's kind of whack, but... They get a lot of the they got a lot of the big names this offseason. So I, I understand it from a from a you know betting website perspective. Uh the pennant, we have plus twenty eight hundred. That is the tenth best odds in the American League. For those doing math at home, that puts us at the fifth worst odds in the American League. Um I d- I, I think we should again be a little higher, but I, I wouldn't expect more than, you know, ninth, maybe eighth. The Blue Jays have the highest odds to win the American League pennant and no surprise to really anybody, or at least shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. So those are your team odds going in. Uh, I, I think they're all just slightly disrespectful. You know, I don't think any of them are egregious. I don't. Uh, I wouldn't have us like in the top 10 odds to win the World Series. I I, I would have the AL Central. I would go from third to second. In the win total, I, I would have, you know, maybe right at 500. Uh, I, I don't think any of them are egregious, but I, I do think that they're all a little bit disrespectful. Uh, player odds. We'll end on this, end the show on this. Javi Baez MVP is the highest odds of any Tiger to win the most valuable player of the year award. He's at plus 10,000, which is the fourth lowest odds of all the people they listed. I think they listed about 25, 20, 25 different players. Javi, the the fourth lowest odds of people listed. Jamer Candelario. If I would have told you to guess, hey, guess who the the player with the second highest odds, the second best odds to win the MVP on the Tigers were? Not sure how many people would have gone with Jamer at two, but he is, according to betonline.net, at two. He has plus 15,000, not 100, plus 15,000 odds to win the award. Those are the second lowest of everybody they listed. American League Cy Young, Casey Mize, plus 4,000. Pretty middle of the pack, honestly, which is awesome of all the people they listed. And Scooble at plus 5,000 of, of, what, five, six names lower than him, I want to say. Scooby kind of surprises me that he's that high. And Casey Mize, 
Sigh mys, baby. Why not? And the last but not least, Riley Green still at the seventh best odds to win AL Rookie of the Year at plus 1,400 even after the injury. I think he was at plus 800, and then the injury initially happened. He was plus 1,000, and now he's supposed to be out, you know, confirmed six day, and everybody knows it's a broken foot. Now he's at plus 1,400. Uh, but still in the top seven is not bad, knowing that he's going to miss probably the first two months of the year. Okay. I think that's everything. I think that's all we got. We, we, we had a lot to go over because we didn't get to talk about any of that on Monday. And that, that today's show was supposed to be Monday's show. That, that was, it was everything I wanted to cover on Monday. We, we covered today instead. Tomorrow. What's tomorrow? Thursday. Uh, we'll go over some, well, if a roster is announced, that will be the pressing issue. Uh, we're going to talk about some lineups, some potential lineups. I think that'll probably be most of the show tomorrow is going through different lineup combinations and such. Um, and we can have a more level head about uh, Austin Meadows. I'm, I keep wanting to say Parker Meadows so bad just because I'm so used to talking about a tiger with the last name of Meadows is Parker. Austin Meadows. Uh, we can have a much more level-headed reaction. That being said, I, I still stand by most of what I said. Potential of this outfield through the roof. Uh, Austin, he's not going to be a, a you know everyday center fielder or anything, but he certainly helps this outfield till Riley comes back and after Riley comes back. Uh, three years of control. Austin Meadows is a Detroit Tiger. I still can't believe it. I'm so pumped for opening day. I will be there. You should be there too. Everybody should be there. It's going to be an event, an absolute event if you see me say hi. Um, I think that's it. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.